I am so glad to be with you um, for Advent, this wonderful time of year when we begin to consider what this mind-blowing historical event might mean for our lives, the inbreaking of God into human history, this, um, this time of year when we ready ourselves for new possibilities, huh? new spiritual possibilities. Um, every week for the next couple of weeks, we're going to go on a pilgrimage together. I love the word pilgrim. It literally means one in search of spiritual homeland. Peregrinatus in the original Latin. So we're going to go in search of a spiritual homeland. And we're going to go on a pilgrimage with people like Mary and Joseph and the Magi. And we're going to try, among others, we're going to try and see this historical moment through their eyes and ask ourselves the question, so what? How can their experience of the birth of Jesus fund our experience of the birth of Jesus? And ask ourselves, how could the effects that they experienced find their way into our souls and into our hearts and into our minds. Now, I'm going to begin by doing something I really almost always avoid, which is reading from a difficult, abstruse, opaque, theological, very academic theological book. I never do this because it's kind of a snooze, but this is so good that I feel like I need to. And so if you feel completely and utterly confused by some of the language in this, don't feel bad. You don't have a doctorate in theology, and I'll unpack it as we go along. This is a, an excerpt from On Beyond Zebra by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell, my very young friend who was learning to spell. The A is for ape, the B is for bear, the C is for camel, the H is for hare. The M is for mouse, the R is for rat. I know all 26 letters like that. Through to Z is for zebra. I know them all well, said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. Now I know everything anyone knows from beginning to end, from the start to the close. Because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. Then he almost fell flat on his face on the floor when I picked up the chalk and drew one letter more, a letter he had never dreamed of before. And I said, you can stop if you want with the Z. And most people stop with the Z, but not me. In the places I go, there are things I see that I never could spell if I stopped with a Z. I'm telling you this because you're one of my friends. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. My alphabet starts with this letter called Yez. It's the letter I use to spell Yezimatez. You'll be sort of surprised what there is to be found once you go beyond Z, and start poking around. So on beyond zebra, explore like Columbus. Discover new letters like wum, which is for wumbus, my high-spouting whale who lives high on a hill and who never comes down till it's time to refill. 
So on beyond Z, it's high time you were shown that you really don't know all there is to be known. So what does the eminent Dr. Seuss mean when he speaks about on beyond zebra? He is saying that just as you and I are limited to 26 letters in the alphabet with which to spell words, we similarly only have a limited number of categories in our minds like that um, we can fit the experiences of life into, right? We only have so many categories. Let me give you an example of this. This is a little sexist, but I'll, I'll go on a, a limb and, and talk about it. But, you know, a lot of us, especially guys, have a category for cool sports cars, Right? It's a little category inside of our head. And so when you're walking down Springfield here and you're, you happen to come across an, the brand new Aston Martin sports car and you feel your salivary glands activate, <laughs> there's a little category, a little file in your head that goes like this. It's the category for cool sports cars. And you take this experience and you go, oh, cool sports car, category, dink, and you put it in there and it goes, thank you, and it closes. But what happens in life when we come upon an experience or an object we have never encountered before and it pushes us or asks us to go on beyond zebra? It's a mind-blowing event, something that requires a new letter, something that says you're going to have to create a new category for this one because it doesn't exist. Anyone who's witnessed the birth of a child knows what I'm talking about. Am I right? It's like you go, whoa, whoa, right? <laughs> need a category for that. Wow, wow, <laughs> you know, right? You need a new category for that baby. Okay, now, sorry, my wife's here. And that's how we go. She'd tell you I didn't have the baby. So <laughs> um, this is precisely the kind of event that Joseph, the fiancé of Mary, confronts when she tells him that she's pregnant and God done it. Now, this is 2,000 years ago, but, you know, he didn't need to be a gynecologist or an obstetrician to figure out that that's not how people got pregnant. He knew where babies came from. Is it any wonder that when she asks him to believe that this virgin birth is how it all came to pass, that he had no category for that, she was asking him to go well beyond zebra, way beyond zebra, friend told me a story that happened at his church, a Christmas pageant years ago. You, you guys, I, I've heard, don't have a Christmas pageant, but has anyone ever seen a, a Christmas pageant that little kids do? I mean, I love them because really it's just the, the level of imprecision is awesome, you know? <laughs> like things happen at Christmas pageants you can't control. And like if you ever saw a perfect one, they stink. You got to see the ones that completely unwind, you know? That's where you go, because that's probably closer to what actually happened, you know? Well, it's told me a story that, um, you know, there's always a narrator, and the narrator was a kid, and they were using the King James Version of the Nativity narrative about, you know, Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. And in the King James, it says, Joseph went to Bethlehem to be taxed, and with Mary his espoused wife being great with child. Well, now, 
The mom of the narrator, you know, being a rocket scientist, she decides, you know, that Elizabethan English and the King James Version is just too difficult for children. I'm going to change it to the New Living Translation so the kids will actually understand what's going on. And so without telling anyone, she switches the translation, gives her son the new text to read from. So as Mary and Joseph are coming down the aisle and the narrator's reading... He says, the narrator, Joseph went to register with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him. She was pregnant. Now, just as these words come out, the 10-year-old Joseph panics. He has not heard it this way in rehearsal. And he gives Mary this shocked look, and he goes, Pregnant? What do you mean, pregnant? So like the boy in that pageant, Joseph was incredulous about this explanation that Mary has, and he tries to divorce her quietly. By the way, in, in, in that era, to be a fiancé a fiance to somebody else, you were essentially married at that point. And so he says, I, I'm going to divorce her just to protect her reputation. But to his credit, you know, eventually Joseph, and, and maybe perhaps I should say better by grace, you know, he's just given this new category that could accommodate a miracle. The possibility of a virgin birth. One of the questions I'm going to ask to start our journey together as pilgrims to the manger is what about us? Are we able to go on beyond zebra? And locate a new category, a new folder into which to place this story. To be open to, to miracles. It's been my uh, experience as a follower of Jesus, um, as a former pastor, that there are a couple of reasons why people often resist going on beyond zebra. Or there are certain handicaps they have just by virtue of where we are in terms of history to create a new category that's on Beyond Zebra. One, for example, is that a lot of us are just captive to the modern mind. You know, uh, I don't want to give you a long history lesson. 17th century, Rene Descartes comes along and starts the period known as modernity. And what happened as a result of that over time is we developed a mindset that was encumbered by the need for facticity, for factualism. Everything had to be based in reason. Cogitas ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. Not I believe, therefore I am. It was I think, therefore I am. And so the typical modern mind, the, the schools I grew up in, say hey, listen, I'm a child of the Enlightenment. I am a rational person. If the virgin birth can't be replicated by the scientific method in a laboratory, it did not happen. It cannot happen. Now, we know today that the modern project is gasping for air and ending, and I won't go into all the reasons why, but I recently heard Sir John Polkinghorne speak, uh, well, actually, not recently, in the last couple of years, at the Harvard Club. He is the president of Queens College, Cambridge, and he's a mathematical physicist. And toward midlife, he decided not to get a sailboat, 
but to become an Anglican priest. <laughs> and um, he uh, in one, I think in 1984, the Templeton Prize, which is a, an enormous, it's sort of the Nobel Prize of religion. He's a brilliant guy. I heard him do a lecture in New York City as a mathematical physicist. And he talked about how the discovery of the Big Bang, and particularly quantum mechanics, completely blew up everybody's categories of how the, how the world came to be. When Heisenberg and Niels Bohr discovered quantum mechanics, which is a marvelous story, all of the categories of how the world came to be completely were exploded, and they had to go, in order to figure out, Niels Bohr and Heisenberg said, they had to go beyond Z and find a new category. And it wasn't until they were willing to get that new category, until they were willing to go, nah, it's not that, it's this. It wasn't until then that they finally saw the truth. They found a category. I think many of us here are held captive to that modern mind. We just can't believe that there's something on beyond zebra. It, we're just held hostage by the cultural environment in which we grew. But interesting, Polkinghorne said that many of his friends, especially physicists, were people who were beginning to be open to the Christian faith because they were discovering that, oh my gosh, there's so much we don't know. Right? There's so much on beyond Z. And suddenly they, they got a new category and they're going, virgin birth? Well, heck, maybe. I think another reason that a lot of us resist going on beyond zebra or find it difficult to create a new category into which to, to place something like a virgin birth is frankly, we're just held captive by personal histories that are really painful. It's very hard for some of us, either consciously or subconsciously, to really believe that the God of the universe loves us so much that he would invade human history to express that love through a human being named Jesus. We just cannot get our brains around that possibility, either because we've been damaged and bruised by someone else, and so the idea of that kind of love is just counterintuitive, or maybe that we've done a fairly good job of damaging and bruising ourselves because of our own bad decisions. I wrote a book uh, a couple years ago called Chasing Francis, A Pilgrim's Tale. It's 10.95 on Amazon, and <laughs> it's available for Christmas, and uh, it would help put my daughter through college if you did, because, <laughs> and that would be a good Christmas for her. <laughs> um, I'm writing a, another book right now for Thomas Nelson, and it's a spiritual memoir called uh, This Much I Know. And in it, there's one chapter. As you, by the way, you can imagine what it does to you on the interior when you begin to write about your own life and your own history. All kinds of new insights come up. And by the way, you know, it's not an autobiography because, frankly, I'm not that interesting. Um, a spiritual memoir is sort of you take slices of your life like this, and that group of episodes or experiences become emblematic of the larger picture of your life and you get to comment on them. Well, one of the chapters is on my going into recovery as an alcoholic. Now, I don't sit around all day long thinking, you know, about what happened leading up to that recovery because, frankly, I don't want to think about that a lot. 
But I remember, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, even now, sometimes, it's hard for me to believe that God loves me among the debris field of my life. So it's hard for me to get my mind around virgin births and incarnations. And I want you to know that's okay if you've got a category buster like that. I get it. But are we open to going beyond Z and just saying, well, God, I don't know. It's hard for me to even figure this out or to believe it, but I'll be open to it. And lastly, I just say, you know, a lot of us, no, all of us, this one I know is true for all of us, we're all captive to a resistant will. Listen, if you're going to go beyond zebra, here's the problem. If you go beyond zebra and embrace miracles, you know, and uh, that there's a virgin birth and there's an incarnation and that this guy really is God, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a complete change in your visual field and no longer will you get to lead an egocentric life. You're going to be called to live a theocentric life. You're going to have to go from being all about you to having it be all about God. And for many of us, recognizing that hmm, that's what's going to happen, if we, that's the ripple effect if we throw our rock in that pond, we're like, no, nah, it doesn't work for me. Now, you may be thinking to yourself right now, self, you're thinking? I really am a fairly altruistic person. My life is not all about me. Look, let me ask you a question. Let's just imagine for a moment that you've just recently gotten a group picture and you happen to be in the picture with 40 other people, when you get the picture in the mail, <laughs> when you look at the picture, it's the first thing you think of, oh, look at Bob and Mary and Joan and Bill. And jo-. You go, where the heck am I? <laughs> and you find yourself and you go, boom. <laughs> and suddenly everyone else in the picture evaporates. Am I right? You know I'm right, you egocentric, rotten people. <laughs> you know I'm right. I mean, that's just a great metaphor for our lives, isn't it? I mean, I get up in the morning, I swear to you, I get up in the morning, and I have to say to myself before I get out of bed, Jesus, please, for 10 minutes today, could I think about someone else besides me? No, it's not just because I'm a neurotic. I'm just telling the truth. My life is all about me. That is what sin in its purest definition is. It's a radical self-centeredness, self-concern, self-interest. We are all infected by it. And we realize, oh man, if I create this new category, that one's going to have to shut, and this one's going to have to open. And we resist it, to go beyond Z to that. Now there's another, I mean, look, let's just, let's just talk about something else here. Look, if you're struggling right now with the virgin birth, let me throw just another curveball in on you, because this is important. You're going to have to go on beyond zebra this Advent, not just in regards to the virgin birth, but in regards to this claim that Jesus is the divine Son of God. What does the virgin birth prove? Nothing. It really doesn't prove anything. It's just a nice proposition, propositional truth statement. You could believe in the virgin birth and still not be a follower of Jesus in the classic sense of that, of that word. In order to really get there, you're going to have to buy into this notion or at least entertain it, that Jesus is more than merely a human being. 
In fact, Joseph had to get this. What does it say? Not only was this baby miraculously conceived, but the baby in her womb is God in human flesh. Now let's face it. That requires another category that's really hard for us. Okay, it was tough enough to get virgin birth. Now we've got to get divine son of God in there. That's way beyond zebra, Ian. So what do we do? Here's what I hear. And listen, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I work in the inner city of Greenwich, Connecticut. And um, you all, you know, you're rich, you're educated, you're sophisticated, you're worldly. You know, you've been around. Some of us, frankly, are just a little too smart for Christianity. Right? And so what we do is, rather than deal with this virgin birth or Jesus being the Son of God thing, is we say, I need to come up with an existing category. I need to find in my repertoire of categories a category that exists into which I can place Jesus and still feel okay. And here's the one most people usually put him in. Let's put Jesus in the category of excellent moral teacher. Good ethical exemplar. Along the lines of Confucius or Plato or Aristotle or Gandhi or Martin Luther King, an interesting historical figure who carries the freight of excellent moral principle. Ah. Therefore, I will live imitatively of Jesus. That's what Christianity is about. That's, everything else is metaphor. Virgin birth, metaphor. Son of God, Mm, metaphor. A lot of the people I've known in my life were unwilling to go on beyond Z, but were only willing to open a category that already existed for them. C.S. Lewis, who actually, if you put all of our IQs together, right, he'd still have a higher number. Okay? Lewis knew that this was the common strategy of well-educated intellectuals. And this is what he wrote about it, and I think it's fantastic. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us He did not intend to. Okay, closing questions. As we join together on this journey, the first question is just very simple. Will you be willing to open a new category in your heart and in your mind like Joseph did? Are you willing to go beyond zebra and say, I'm not sure, but maybe this stuff is true. Maybe Jesus really is born of a virgin. Maybe um, Jesus really is the divine son of God. Maybe I have to get a mind like Heisenberg and Boris and and C.S. Lewis and go, I'm going on beyond zebra and I'm going to get a new category here and open it up. 
Can we resist overprivileging our rational minds? Can uh, we move past or ask for the grace to put our painful pasts behind us and believe that God does love us this much? Or will we just be committed to avoiding using an old category just to play it safe? Can we open our hearts to the possibility that he is the son of God, born of a virgin? Where does your alphabet end? I'm looking forward to the journey together. Thanks.